0: Hi, this is Gary Berghoff. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond, and I guess I'm pretty beyond.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen & Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is Brian Zimrak with you once again and this is episode 64 and do we have a guest for you today. Gary Berghoff, Radar of MASH is our guest and Gary's going to talk about his life, he's going to talk about MASH, his new book also, Gary Berghoff to MASH and back my life and poems and songs that nobody ever wanted to publish. It's quite a long title, and Gary is going to tell you why it's that long coming up in the interview segment. Also, Gary lets us in on something that he has never told anyone, and it's not even in his book. So it's an On Screen and Beyond exclusive, and it's right here on this episode of On Screen and Beyond. You're going to enjoy it. This was a great interview. He was was so fun to have on, and I I know you're going to like it, so stick around for that. And also, we've had a lot of great suggestions for guests on the show in this past week, and we're working on them, and we'll see if any of them can come through. We'll keep you informed on that. And if you have any suggestions, uh, we're still taking them. We're always going to take them because, you know, we'll put some out and see if we can find people. If not, we'll try some others. And uh, if you'd like to do that, uh, give us a suggestion of who you would like to hear on the show, talk about their life, uh, what they've done, what they're doing, and all those different things. That's why we are on screen and beyond, okay? Everything that they've done, not just uh, one thing. But uh, if you have any suggestions, you can email us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and we'll see what we can uh, come up with and see if it'll show up on another show so that's about it for right now I want to get into this because we got to uh, get into that uh, interview with Gary it's such a riot, such a good time and he talks about his book and everything so stick around, that's coming up coming up next, Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond Please hang up and try again Well, as far as remakes and on screen to be on, Baywatch, the show that made Pamela Anderson a household name, is headed to the big screen as a comedy. And uh, didn't Howard Stern do something like that uh, called uh, Son of the Beach on TV? But uh, I don't know. We'll see. That's what they're looking at right now for a remake of uh, Baywatch as a comedy. Also, Jack Black is set to star in a remake or retelling, they're saying, of Gulliver's Travel. And look for a June 2010 release on that. Marmaduke, the comic strip, is headed to the big screen in 2012 in a story about the Winslow family's Great Dane. And also, finally, Nicole Kidman is rumored to be starring in a remake of How to Marry a Millionaire with a 2011 release date. And that's about it for Remake Madness right now And On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, we're going to look and see what's upcoming for movies. <laughs> Upcoming movies, well, a film about two events involving the Vietnam War, one in Vietnam, the other at home, is the plot behind a new film from Universal being worked on called They Marched Into Sunlight. And look for a 2010 release on that. Vivica A. Fox will star in *A Land*, The Land of the Astronauts. It's a psychological drama that tells the story of a man trying to rebuild his life. Look for a release later this year. And 2010 will bring us Ride Along, starring Ice Cube, which tells the story of a rogue cop who invites his sister's fiance on a ride-along. And this is listed as an action comedy. That's about it for upcoming movies. Coming up next, Sequel City on On Screen and Beyond. Sequels, it looks like Ben Stiller is looking at making Dodgeball 2. No word yet on a release date uh, for that one yet. Renee Zellweger will be starring in another sequel to Bridget Jones. This would be the third installment of these films. And Raging Bull 2 is in the works, which tells the story of boxing champ Jake LaMotta. And this one will take place before and after the original Raging Bull took place. That's about it for sequels at On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next... TV on DVD. Well, as far as TV on DVD, looking ahead, October 6th, Tales of the Dark Side, the second season, will arrive on DVD from CBS Paramount in a three-disc set. And on September 15th, Fame Seasons 1 and 2, starring Debbie Allen, will dance its way to DVD just before MGM releases the remake of the fame movie in theaters in October 13th girlfriends the seventh season is being released on DVD and September 8th look for Harper's Island as it comes to DVD in a four-disc set 541 minutes of mystery and horror And that's about it for TV on DVD coming up next on on screen and beyond movies on DVD Movies on DVD, well, it looks like Ryan and Sean's Not-So-Excellent Adventure is now out on DVD, and it's a comedy starring the YouTube stars Ryan Higa and Sean Fujiyoshi, and it is one of the top-selling movies on iTunes right now. Within the first two days, it was in the top 50 of all movies on iTunes, and it was the number one independent film, and it was listed in the top 20 of all Comedies. So check that one out. And it's also available in stores, uh, you know, all over the country. So, and also on all the usual places where you can buy it uh, in uh, like Amazon and things like that. So, let's see. The comedy Sherman's Way comes to DVD on July 21st and on August 11th, 17 again with Zach Efron hits shelves on DVD and. TMNT, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, starring the voice talents of Sarah Michelle Gellar and Patrick Stewart, swings its way to DVD, also on August 11th. And that's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next, sit back, because we have an interview with Gary Berghoff. Of course, he was Radar on MASH the movie and MASH the TV show for about seven years he was on there and he walked around with his teddy bear and slept with it at night and everything and uh, he tells us about his new book out that is called, now get ready for this and he explains why it's so long um, Gary Berghoff To MASH and Back My Life in Poems and Song that Nobody Ever Wanted to Publish and that's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond My guest today on On Screen and Beyond originated the role of Charlie Brown in the off-Broadway musical Your Good Man Charlie Brown, and for years played Radar O'Reilly in the TV show MASH, and of course, in the movie MASH. He's an actor, an Emmy Award winner, a musician, an inventor, a painter, and he's a writer. He has a new book out called Gary Berghoff, To Mash and Back My Life in Poems and Songs. It's Gary Berghoff. Welcome to the show, Gary.
0: Not Hi. My, it's my life and poems and songs that nobody ever wanted to publish.
1: That's right. I didn't finish the whole thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a tendency. You know, I once, uh, after right after I left MASH, I formed a Dixieland jazz band. Yes, yeah. And the title of the band was about four pages long. You know, <sighs> Gary Berghoff and his Mardi Gras, just for fun, all star Dixieland jazz band with. Pizzazz, or something like that.
1: <laughs> so you have a history of of making they, long titles. Yeah,
0: they could never. I, I I always wanted them to, you know, rebuild their marquees and add space. <laughs> it, it somehow fed my ego. <laughs> now,
1: now, all the songs that you've written over the years, did they have long titles too?
0: No, no. They. Uh, um, one of the things I've learned as a as a writer over the years is economy. <laughs> But when it comes to titles, I like long titles.
1: <laughs> now, Gary, you know, reading your book, it, it, it's amazing that all the things you've done and, and, and all the things you've gone through, too, in life so far. Uh, but one thing I noticed that um, here at On Screen and Beyond, we, we really like to have the you know the, the star celebrity talk about their life because what happens on the Internet, um, people come across all kinds of different things that not necessarily are true and, you know, if you say it, then we know that it's, you know, it it should be true, at least as far as you know. But one thing, uh, to start everything off, I notice on the Internet it said that you were born in 1940, yet in no. your book it's 1943.
0: It is. The Internet's wrong.
1: I know. Isn't that something the way and, – and it's not just right. in one place
0: what the bible refers to in the end times as wars and rumors of wars <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just wrong and where they get that information i have no idea if they really want to be accurate they should check the public records in bristol connecticut where i was born right yeah yeah but so, it doesn't matter anymore because i'm retired now <laughs> uh, it mattered to me when i was working though because producers like to know what age range uh age age range you fall into mm-hmm and it was misleading.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we're setting it straight right now right from the horse's mouth. You right. were born in
0: 1943. I am 66 years old.
1: There we go. <laughs>
0: and uh and I hope more than five people hear this.
1: <laughs> Believe me they will. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and 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 all over the world too, not just in, you know not just the United States.
0: Good.
1: Now, uh one thing when I first opened the book that struck me right off the bat and it was very noticeable and it was also very powerful words you used in the open opening dedication of the book and i, I, I was it threw me right off um where you dedicated it says uh, and i i don't read this very well so excuse this but it says my uh, to my brother David who remained faithful through the wounds of fame uh, which fame inflicted
0: right so
1: that's pretty powerful right off the bat
0: well, it was a pretty powerful time—that mm-hmm. time when my fame hit its peak, or the or Mash's fame, all of our fame on Mash hit hit its peak—and I address that in the book. Mm-hmm, fame yeah. is a double, double-edged razor; yeah. it slices deeply into those qualities which make your private life worthwhile, and that's uh, you know, dignity and liberty. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take it very well. And a lot of people who encountered me during those, that period in the 1970s and early 80s um, knew that because I, I just didn't like the constant intrusion on me and my family's life. That is not to say that I didn't respect and, and also appreciate um, people's interest in the work That we were all doing, right, Uh, and even an expression of thank you, you know, thanks for the work. That that was all. But when it came to the celebrity thing of pushing me up against the wall and demanding that I stand there for four hundred pictures, right, and uh, pushing my wife aside and um, you know treating my kids as if they were invisible, Mm -hmm. uh, as a father and as a husband, I took umbrage.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't blame you. You know, people should realize that you know, you're not a prop. I mean,
0: well, your my an uncle told me my, my one of my favorite uncles told me. He said, "You know, your grandmother was once in an airport. We're probably talking about 1950 now." Mm-hmm. And she looked over and she said, "Oh, look. There's Ray Land Yeah. And my uncle turned to her and he said, he doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> 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 and my grandmother knew what he meant. Yeah. There was a respect for privacy.
1: Right. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: Richard Dawson years ago told me that he was uh, that he was campaigning for some political candidate with Paul Newman, and they would get off an airplane to you know speak at a certain rally or something, and at Dawson, everybody would have their hands all over Dawson. Hmm. No one would touch Paul Newman. They wouldn't come with a, a hundred yards of him. Wow! <laughs> and he said, "That's the difference between television and and film actors." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, film actors are, are larger than life. Yeah, they're, they, you know, people greet them with awe and right. stand back.
1: And, and of course, Richard was known for going around kissing everybody. So <laughs> everybody, no, no one was safe. Right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like I said, this this book is is extremely interesting, and um, some of the things that are in the book, uh, I mean, you couldn't write these things. I mean, yes, you could. Well, yeah, I did. But I mean, you know, you can longhand. Write... I might name. <laughs> but the I mean, the
0: whole book is in longhand. Go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, it's printed now. Right. But...
1: But the I things... wrote it in
0: pencil, yeah. and, I, and I erased almost none
1: of it. <laughs> but go ahead. But the things that happened to you, it was like, you know, oh come on, that couldn't happen. They, that only happens in movies. You mean like sucking
0: on Salminio's nose?
1: <laughs> yes, uh,
0: but that wasn't me, by the way. Right? That was a, that was a therapist that I once knew, uh, our our guide to mental wellness. Right? Uh, who would have uh, more than Six drinks after therapy sessions, and then go around trying to suck on people's noses. And unfortunately, she was successful one night in a restaurant with Sal Minio, who tried to push her away, and I was trying to pull her away. <laughs> but she continued on until she met some sort of a physical uh, conclusion oh, to geez. the act.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was a
0: very, very enlightening and embarrassing moment. It
1: must have been. Jeez. And
0: and a and a great lesson to me about dysfunctional behavior. Uh, it can happen uh, when you least expect it from someone you least expect it from.
1: Right. Yeah. You wouldn't even think somebody who's a therapist would would do that.
0: <laughs> uh, right.
1: But and and one of the other things is is um, your drumming experience, where you were you were a drummer, and right. then. The auto accident and oh
0: uh, yeah and here, uh, you mean where I, I was I was playing for the junior prom mm-hmm. in Delaware, Wisconsin, and I was just doing a solo act. Um, I was only sixteen years old, and I set up my drums in this little nightclub i, I didn 't go to the prom, I was new in town and didn 't know anybody yeah. uh, but uh, I offered to to do a drum solo as an entertainment act. Uh, at the post prom party, and I set up my drums and then i- hadn 't realized that a big band had been hired for the evening the bud Bud wilbur orchestra mm-hmm. very very well known and and uh, admired orchestra in that part of the country. This is Wisconsin now in about nineteen fifty nine or nineteen sixty
1: yeah
0: and this is a big band, you know swing music mm-hmm. and um and I was just a budding uh jazz uh, uh I don't know, admirer. Uh, I, I was just beginning. I had played professionally only in small combos. At any anyway, rate, Bud Wilbur uh, and the musicians started to file in, and he walked over to me and he said, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm doing my drum act to entertain the kids," you know. He said, "Are you any good?" And I said, "Sure. You want to hear?" And I and I sat down and I welled away for about. Five minutes, uh, and uh, you know, doing a drum solo. And when I opened my eyes uh, after the last cymbal crash, here's a room full of these musicians, wh- wh- uh, whom I later found out were actually sidemen from some of the the greatest swing bands in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about Benny Goodman, and I mean wow. guys that had been on the road with the great ones. Yeah, and they were standing there applauding with big grins on their faces. And Bud Wilbur leans across my cymbals and he says, "Son, you're not going to believe this, but our drummer was just in an auto accident and he's in the hospital. If you uh, don't mind, after your act, I'd like you to beat our drummer for the night." Well, I sat in with the uh, with a big band for the first time in my life, and I'd be son of a gun if he didn't hire me for the for the whole time that I lived in Wisconsin. Was going to high school in Delavan, Wisconsin. I played professional drums with these wonderful jazz musicians, Jeez. big band musicians, yeah. swing musicians. Yeah. And, uh, and I sang with the band and played the drums. And I, it was just like, a, as I described it, like a Hollywood dream come true.
1: Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just the way it happened. I mean, you know, what are the odds that you're going to be playing that well, night? And
0: listen, what, what, are, what are the odds that anybody even derive any success? Mm-hmm. From an acting career, what are the odds?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: They're a million to one. The w- the one thing though that I that I hope that the book points out is that it's not up to you. It's up to you to develop your talent as as far as you can go with it. Mm-hmm. It's up to God to do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And God works in ways that you can't follow. He's too advanced. He's yeah. too far ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I was trying to point out over and over again. Every success that I had was not because of any direct action of my own. Whenever I took a direct action and auditioned for a part I thought was perfect for me, I wouldn't get it. <laughs> because God doesn't give you what you want when you want it. He gives you what you need when you need it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah and you said that and in the book, I tried yeah.
0: And sh- I tried to put that mosaic together to show the reader why i'm so grateful and and what a wonderful life uh the lord led me to not just in my career but also uh in my family life
1: as mm-hmm. well yeah
0: in spite of my failures you know on both accounts right yeah yeah uh, but the uh it's that mosaic that is so phenomenal mm-hmm. um when you put just a few pieces together you realize that God has always had you just about where He wanted you, yeah. and if you rejoice in that, the blessings will flow. Yeah,
1: yeah. and it certainly seemed that way, with, with, you know, all through your book that when you needed it, it was there. I mean, it, it just... oh,
0: yeah, amazing! Uh, um, the book came right off the end of my pencil and never stopped. It was almost stream of consciousness. But, uh, but then again, it's a book of my life and my remembrances, and yeah. memories flow in that way if you let them. And you were there. Now, the one, <laughs> the one thing that I chose, which was sort of a vehicle or or a style for the book, was to tie, this is what I mean by my life uh, in poems and songs that nobody ever wanted to publish. Uh, throughout my whole life, I've written poems and songs, and mm-hmm. they usually came straight from my either my gut or my heart. Yeah. At the time, and they acted as a wonderful bridge to uh... For, for the beginnings of chapters, because each song and each poem represents what that period of my life was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I found that very helpful.
1: And and yeah, I, I like the way you did that. And also, uh, they they had some really nice meaning to them. Uh, you know, not necessarily you know. About just what the chapter is about, but uh, like your limerick that you did uh, for uh, called a tree. A tree, yeah.
0: A tree in
1: in and nineteen
0: ninety
1: six. Would you like me to recite it? Uh, sure. Yeah, I was. Just, you you I was, don't
0: have to prompt me. You know. Okay. No. If, <laughs> <laughs> I love. It. I do what I call uh, extended limericks.
1: Hmm. Uh
0: And this is uh, very early on in my my life. The environment became extremely important to me had a dysfunctional family background, wonderful, wonderfully dysfunctional, uh, meaning that I loved my family very much, but we were dysfunctional, mm-hmm. and the only place that really made sense for me was in the woods, yeah, and this poem goes with that: A tree has its roots in the ground, so it never goes walking around. it just grows toward the light, but when day turns to night it 's gained hardly an inch or a pound. Now, we people are much more dynamic. In a car, a jet plane, or a hammock, we scurry about with much worry and doubt our ambitious exploits panoramic. Human conquests and wars are historic, though few of us feel quite euphoric. We yearn to be healthy, respected, and wealthy, and often take much paragoric. Now I've seen all of life I can see, and one prospect is troubling me. I've achieved all I can by the values of man, but I find that invariably, the god who made earth, sky, and sea probably sees me as a flea. And though I'm no ignoramus, and to men I'm quite famous, I will ne'er stand as tall as a tree.
1: And, and, and that last, the last paragraph is what struck me. When I was reading that, you know how it is when you, you know, you. you I mean, everything you did was, was I liked it, uh, but that's one that's that stood out at me. Um, Why
0: is that? Do you think?
1: I, well, it's just just the way you're you're talking about, you know, how you are. I mean, you're famous and everything, but you know, you're never going to be like a tree. You'll never stand like a tree, and that.
0: I also said, yeah. I also used the words that uh, in the book, something to the effect that. uh, uh, trees are 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 loyal, silent partners, mm-hmm. and that they are as important <clears throat> to our identity as they are living versions of the of the Washington Monument.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And as and uh, as are in, as important to our identity and our dignity. Yeah. Uh, trees represent to me. Uh, Struggling, uh, a struggle uh, over adversity. Um, and the crooked trees have the most character. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that uh, became crooked by searching for the light.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. you wrote uh, another poem about yeah. that too. Yeah. About what? About the crooked tree somewhere. Or oh, was that was a song. a song. Yeah, that was okay. a song
0: lyric. Well, yes, of course, all life imagery and experiences go into songs if you're a songwriter yeah
1: yeah uh-huh. but yeah it's, it's it, it was that was a, a good one i mean it's just one that stood out at me and uh, and you know the sad thing is um you know in your book you're talking about how when you were a kid you spent a lot of time in the woods and you'd walk around and, and everything and, and when i was a kid we did the same thing we spent you know all day long in the woods nowadays they don't do that
0: no they're on the they're on the uh, web
1: yep yeah, yeah. It, or, and not just that but uh, also the fact that people are too parents are too worried about you know the people down the street or the you know who who's the crazy guy in the woods or you know are going to kill somebody or, you know i mean it's, it, the, the it's just changed the way things are doing like you say they're sitting there texting too
0: <laughs> no well uh, I'm, I'm sadly I, I agree with you but uh there's plenty of us who still Get out there! Yeah, yeah, I live in the woods.
1: You do uh, okay. Yeah, a, that... good,
0: a good deal of the time, and I'm not alone at all. Nor am I uh, afraid of uh, you know uh, what I might encounter there. I consider it the safest place I know.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I mean, just the whole mentality nowadays is you know you don't let your kids run off anywhere now, even down the street or anywhere because you know there's you yeah. Never but know. you know
0: we have to fight that.
1: Yes, I that's.
0: That's stuff that we get off the evening news, which is all concentrated negatives,
1: right, oh yes, negatives, you yep. know
0: uh once I was sick for about three weeks, and I watched nothing but the news oh, that'll I be... was afraid to leave my house when I got better. <laughs> That's true And I finally said, "Well, I've got to get food, so I went down you know went down to this little village uh, down the hill from me, where I live in Connecticut in the summertime. And it was peaceful and calm and just like it had always been. But the news had completely bamboozled me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought
0: the world had fallen apart while I had the flu.
1: Mm-hmm. Jeez. <laughs> and in your in your book, you also actually do have some good tips for raising kids, uh, for parents, and uh, you know boosting their self esteem. As you grew up, things that you thought you know. Uh...
0: Well, it was the most. It represented the most important part of my life. Yeah. Was my my fatherhood um, raising my kids? I mean, that brought me a joy that career could never equal. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I, 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 I it really is the most important part of my life, and I uh, it it has a prominent section in the book. People yes. might think that this is a chat book about Mash. It isn't. Mm-hmm. it really is the book of an entire life it's oh, in a yeah. way it's the life and times of gary Berghoff, which is i believe the life and times of just about everyone who lived the second half of the 20th century mhm
1: like you say there's all different things in there it's not just about mash it's not just about uh, your childhood it's it's there's everything there's a little bit of everything in there in the book
0: the kennedy assassination the uh you know, it's, a, it's an intensely personal book. It, it comes from my heart,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, um, you know, I wrote about things that concern me and things that I love, and, and um, I also talk about some old uh, feuds and things of that sort in a, in a little bit of a gossipy kind of way, but I, but I did it as a cleansing uh, process, not to injure yeah, uh, but rather to close. Yeah, you know, those bitternesses and those angers.
1: Yeah. Now I want to ask you about that. Um, when you were on Mash, it seemed like uh, when you in the book, it, it things weren't. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Uh, more, uh, they weren't as happy as as maybe we thought they were on Mash. Uh, was.
0: Well, know, no, actually, we were.
1: You were okay.
0: Yeah, we were. We were very close. We still are.
1: Right. No, no, I mean... Cl-
0: we, we, we are bonded. Uh, we, we have a bond that that very few people, uh, I think, have experienced. And, and the American public picked up on that. And yes. they felt that we were sort of surrogate family. Mm-hmm. This is from what I gather. Now, this is from feedback that I've yes. had oh, yeah, definitely. over and over again. Uh, the uh, dissension or the arguments that have been publicized are greatly overblown uh, mm-hmm. uh, and also distorted. Um, I, I don't know how to say it, but I said it in the book, I love Alan Alden. Oh, yes, I, yes. I love him as a human being and, and as an actor. Mm-hmm. I worked with him, admired him. Uh, I love Loretta Swit. I love Bill Christopher, Jamie Farr, all of them. They were the best people that I could possibly have worked with. I was blessed ...to have been chosen for that group, because this was not a group that was about to um, dummy down to anyone. Right. Yeah. This was a group that was searching for excellence in their work, and also who had a firm belief that we were saying something about war, yeah. and about the seriousness of war, at the same time we were making people laugh... And providing, hopefully, a service Mm -hmm. to the world. It was a dedicated group. So, (laughs) when you realize that, the few spats that we had over the seven years that I was on the set mean nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what I was referring to was not so much the 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 core group, but um, you know, some of the the way some of the directors. May have treated people and things like that, and and I don't want to go into too much because you know people should read the book to find out. <laughs> but
0: well, let me let me just say this: there was, uh, uh, yes, um, there there was one director who I picked out, uh, mm-hmm. and he exasperated me, yeah. and uh, we had uh, clashes big time, and he finally was asked to leave uh, yeah. uh, by the producer. Now, towards the end of the book, I'd like to point out that chapter where I'm growing older and I'm wondering yes. if my heart is ready for the Lord. Yeah. And uh, and I started thinking about my negative qualities, and I realized that the anger that I was feeling, still feeling, mm-hmm. after 20 years, yeah. towards this person and others whom I believed had wronged me, was really anger towards myself, because there wasn't anything in any of their darker natures that I didn't also see in myself, yeah, so they were me mm-hmm. and uh and i and in forgiving them and asking the Lord to bless them uh I was Committing an act of forgiving myself as well.
1: Yeah, that's what I got from the the book, when you, and when you you specified even him, <laughs> it was <Even> like <laughs> him.
0: especially him.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now the, another thing that was pretty interesting. Um,
0: who, the reason why I said that, by the way, was because of all the people who I thought uh, were uh, had the qualities that I least liked in myself. Yeah, he was. The top on the list, in other words, he and I were very close
1: uh-huh. in terms
0: of the way we viewed the world, yeah. yeah, and so why why should I be angry at him i should I should instead get my own act together,
1: yeah yeah hmm. and like i was saying um the the way when you got the part of radar um it seemed very quick the way it came about um and then how you describe how you uh you went into wardrobe, and you, you became Radar. Uh, I mean, it was fascinating to hear how you, you went about doing that and, you know, putting the hat on and, and, and all those little things. I, I found that very, very fascinating.
0: Well, it's the wisdom of a master director of the uh, quality of Robert Altman. Uh, he doesn't give you any clues at all. Oh, really? No, he respects your creative ability.
1: Well, that's, that's nice.
0: And all he asked me was, uh, what color do you see his hair? Because at the time, I w- I had, my hair was lightened to blonde mm-hmm. for the character of Charlie Brown, which I was performing in right. Los Angeles at the time. Yeah. And I told him, well, I don't see him blonde. I see him dark-haired. And he said, fine. <laughs> and that was the whole meeting with Robert Altman <laughs> before, before the shoot.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, I wasn't given any perimeters. Hmm. I was allowed to have total freedom to create this guy and to uh, imagine him as I would. Also, the book and the script, you know, it was originally a book, M.A.S.H., yep. that it was a script by Ring Lardner Jr., and they didn't give me any clues either. I had total freedom wow. to make this guy who I wanted to make him. Yeah. And even when I did that, Robert Altman never said, no, no, you're on the wrong track he never even commented on it. We just kept shooting. Yeah. And Radar became who I you know felt he was. But then when Gene Reynolds asked me to recreate the role for television and I I'm working with Larry Gelbart who is uh well I mean not only is he one of my best friends uh certainly in the in the industry mm. uh he also wrote the foreword for the book. Yeah. Um, uh, Larry saw what I was doing, and he just kept writing more of it, and he kept writing it better and and giving me new uh, horizons and new things to reach for. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Radar is pretty much, uh, Radar is a certain side of me. Mm -hmm. That uh, Larry Gelbart, instead of writing for me, he wrote from me. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been thankful to him for doing that. Robert Altman directed from me, mm-hmm. not for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, and to,
0: to me, that's the way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you created such a character that I mean, everybody's always going to remember Radar. I mean, there's no question about it.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, if they see him, they'll they might remember him. Mm-hmm. I hope. I hope they're
1: still watching. Oh okay. yeah in, in fact,
0: still on the air at about twelve places.
1: right in fact just just before uh, we, we started this interview, I was watching some episodes of mash on the Hallmark channel and coming up later on this evening, um, they are playing your final two episodes. <laughs> Oh, are they? Yes, yes. Oh,
0: good. That's two more residuals. Though. Right. <laughs> ching ching I, I need that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't received any royalties from this book yet,
1: you know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it, only been out two weeks. Right. It's only been out a couple of weeks here, yeah. so uh, I'm sure we'll, you know, the more people will be reading it, and it's a, it's a fascinating book. There's just so much in it. Um, now, uh, w- another thing that I noticed on here, uh, your mother gave... Or financed the honeymoon of Harrison Ford?
0: Can you believe that?
1: I, I mean, <laughs> there again, that's another one of those things that. You My know, mother
0: financed you Harrison Ford. You can write it. Ford. He was absolutely destitute. Hmm. He was appearing in, in the same little summer stock theater that I was appearing in. I think I was 18 years old. Yeah. My mother was choreographer for the musicals.
1: Now, what year was this about?
0: This was about roughly. 1961.
1: Nineteen sixty-one. Okay.
0: Yeah. and um, and he fell in love with an actress in the that season in in the company, and they wanted to get married, but they didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. I mean, any money. Yeah. The Summer stock Theater did not pay. they paid, they paid your uh, room expenses, and that was it. Yeah and uh, it's the same theater by the way that sparked Paul Newman's early career oh really wow yeah the theater it's the Belfry Theater in Williams Bay Wisconsin it's got a wonderful tradition it used to be a, a church and then became a little summer stock theater and uh, it goes all the way back to the 40s hmm. and yeah. uh, still uh, they're still performing there Yeah. but at any rate uh, mom said mom said I really like this kid and uh I'm going to give them them the money for their honeymoon, so she financed his honeymoon. Wow! And it wasn't till see because he wasn't Harrison Ford then, right? Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean his his name was Harrison Ford, but he wasn't the Harrison Ford right. yet. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and I didn't realize it, yeah. and it was 30 years later after Star Wars Jeez. and after his career took off. That mom said, by the way, you know I financed this honeymoon. I said, you're crazy. (laughs) Of course, I was always referring to my mother as crazy because she was a little crazy. She was wonderful crazy. Yeah. And and it was definitely. I went back and found some old photographs. I I was passing through uh, Williams Bay, Wisconsin on my way to a theater tour I was doing. And sure enough, there's Harrison Ford on the wall. Photograph of him.
1: Now, have you ever met Harrison Ford since? Never then? met him. Oh, you've uh, never met him since. Well,
0: I met him that summer.
1: Right. Yeah. But I mean, Even since I didn't
0: know, I I did.
1: You know, I just didn't know if you had seen him, say, within the last ten, twenty years. And nope, he said, I've you never, never met
0: him. I would love to meet him."
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd love to meet you too. I'd like
0: to. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd make a hell of a co-star for his next picture. Right. <laughs> now, I'll even pay for his next honeymoon, honestly. <laughs> It'll get me work. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, another thing in the book, um the shower scene in MASH with Hot Lips. You stated that This
0: is with Sally Kelleher. Yes, we in, 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 in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: in the movie itself. Um,
0: yeah, the, Loretta and I were never in the
1: shower. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but it, is that a true story? <laughs> well,
0: of course it's a true story. I mean, everything in the book is true. Well, I know, but it's my just. Memory.
1: I mean, here, here. I mean, let's let's face it. Radar was always the quiet guy and everything. And here you are. Radar. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Don't confuse me. I know. Don't confuse me with myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just can't see. You standing there, totally nude with your hat on, (laughs) to try to break the ice. Well, I wouldn't
0: want you to see it. (laughs) No, that's okay. (laughs) It was private. It was only for the company. We were out in the woods. Right. Again. (laughs) It was, uh, well, people are going to have to read that. Yeah, they'll have to read that. that.
1: Now, were there a lot of things like that, not necessarily that specific type thing, but
0: not a whole lot. We were we were very busy, you know, shooting that film. We only had eleven weeks to do this epic, right? Uh, about these about these uh, medics in the Korean War. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, it was very intimate. Mm-hmm. It was a very intimate company. After about three weeks of working together uh, out there in the middle of nowhere, you know, we're four or five miles from the nearest paved road when you're on the Fox. What yep. what used to be called the Fox Ranch. Yep. And uh uh helicopters are the only thing that I can see in there and and as I said in the book, I felt like I was in summer camp
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: when we were doing the film. Uh we were actually creating a great American classic and oh, yeah. but we weren't thinking that then. We were just thinking about doing good work when we were working and we weren't in every shot. If you were a radar you weren't in every shot. And uh, and when Bob came to me and said Sally's doing her first nudes when he came t- into that tent where we were just all lounging around learning how to play poker mm-hmm. uh, for our poker scenes from professional poker players, he said look, this is Sally's first nude scene I've got a skeleton crew set up I don't want anybody wandering around, I don't want to spook her. she's very nervous about it and I said well hell when the When that curtain comes down, when that shower curtain comes down, why don't we just all stand there uh, naked, and then she'll feel right at home. And he said, would you do that? And I said, sure. And I was kidding. But he took me up on it. And when you're 23, 24, 25 years old, you do stupid things like that. And so I did it. I took my clothes off and stood next to the camera when the curtain went down. That's what she was reacting to. <laughs> Have you ever seen a monkey behind a cage that suddenly looks at you and goes and and you know puts his lips in the shape of an o and um, you know his eyes go wide open and he almost and he points a finger <laughs> like like he's speechless. Yeah. Okay, that's how Sally looked the first take when she saw me.
1: Didn't she crack up? <laughs> and,
0: Bob, and Bob was laughing so hard he could hardly say cut. <laughs> and and uh, finally he said, uh, I don't think you were in character, Sally, so let's do it again. So now when the curtain came down the second time, she had no idea what she was going to see, but she was bound and determined she was going to stay in character. The funny thing to watch was Sally yeah <laughs> because she completely forgot about nudity. <laughs> <laughs> this was now the challenge of holding her concentration, which of course she did beautifully she's a wonderful actress, and by oh, yeah. the way, have you heard her new c d
1: yes, and we interviewed her on the show and we played parts of her c d it's a fantastic c d
0: is that an amazing thing that this woman would have that much? singing talent for all these years, and we not know it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just amazing that, you know, like you say, a lot of people don't know that she is such a good singer.
0: It's not just that she's a good singer with a good voice. She has, um, she's unique. Oh, yes. In the same way that Billie Holiday was unique. Mm -hmm. She's talking to you.
1: Yep, yep.
0: And, in fact, she's screaming to you, <laughs> not at you, but to you. Yeah. Uh, she, it's fantastic. If, if uh, You've got to get that CD. It's called Sally. Yes. And yeah. it's wonderful.
1: Yeah, and people, in fact, if people want, they can go back to on the website, our On Screen and Beyond, and go to our podcast reruns, and they could listen to Sally's interview, and they can hear uh, cuts of that CD and uh, they can find out if they haven't heard that one yet that uh, she really does do a fantastic job.
0: That CD is a classic in the, in the making.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a you know? great, some great songs on there. Really good songs.
0: But, uh, and good backup musicians too. Oh, yeah. yeah. She hooked up with a, a group of real soul people.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. She was talking all about those different things and all the people involved with it. Uh, you know, so... It's a...
0: oh, okay, back to me. Yes,
1: <laughs> we drifted there, <laughs> but uh, so, anyways, yeah that that was you know people have they've really got to read this book because there's all these little things like this that are in there and they you know it, it's it, there's funny things and there's uh, serious things and you know your ups and your downs and uh, it's it's just a great book it's it's a it's a fun book uh, but you know like I say it's serious too.
0: You mentioned. Uh, the Internet early at the beginning of this interview, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting my birth date wrong and my age wrong and so on. One, one other thing that I've noticed on some of those sites is that they said that I filed for bankruptcy. Well, you read the book, mm-hmm. and you know that, that that never happened. Right, yeah. And you know why. Yep. And I think that's a very important part of the book. It's the whole end of the book. But where they got this idea that I filed for bankruptcy, and then they put it on these sites. And by the way, some of these sites are very good, mm-hmm. and I appreciate them very much uh, for people who you know want in- information about <clears throat> certain uh, people whose work that they may have admired or whatever, um, or just to you know learn about other people and yeah. other you know other attitudes and so on. I think that some of them are very good. But they have to be very careful about their facts. This stuff is read by thousands of people, maybe right. millions.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, they'll they'll see it on one other site, and they'll say, oh, that must be true, so I'll put that on mine. And then, then like, you know, it's, it's a domino effect that everybody starts putting this in their site, and none of it's true.
0: <clears throat> it becomes the truth by default.
1: Right, yep.
0: And that's wars and rumors of wars. Yep. Yep. That's what the Bible talks about.
1: Yep, and that's why... So be
0: real, real careful about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, and that's why your book puts everything back out, you know, and puts it straight, and everybody can, <clears throat> that's interested in you can find out exactly what happened. Uh, you know, like, another the one thing I did see on the Internet, and it wasn't in your book, so I was curious about it, was um, uh, it says that you, you, you had a chain of ice cream and frozen yogurt stores in Hawaii. Is that true? That's true. That is true. Okay. All right. That's
0: true. It was a chain of two stores.
1: Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that's another thing. I mean, we've been bouncing around here with all kinds of different things because you know, normally we try to go in in progression. You know, as things went, but uh, we've we've drifted into different things and everything. But, um, uh,
0: well, drift, baby, drift. <laughs> you know. I mean, life is like a like is like like, life is like a stream. <laughs> You go with the flow.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, now, if you, you also were on uh, on stage, of course, with Charlie Brown, your your good man Charlie Brown, um, and you know you got a lot of rave reviews on that. If if you had a choice of the two, Mash or Charlie Brown, or or you know, stage in general, which one would you pick if you had to pick one? Film. Film. You enjoy film better. Yeah, I'm not better, necessarily I'm better. I'm going
0: to use my own selection list.
1: <laughs> no,
0: film. Film's where it's at. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, the stage is wonderful because you have total control as an actor. Yeah. Uh, when the curtain goes up, you're, it's it's your stage. Mm-hmm. And, you, and I was trained for the stage. I'm deeply grateful to Actors' Equity Association and the American Theater for having provided me with a livelihood in the... In the craft and art form that I love acting, yeah, but film is where you connect with the world, where the world becomes family, yeah, and um I just always had a an inordinate respect for the power of film, and yeah. wanted to be a film actor well it it didn't turn out that way, but uh that's okay,
1: but the thing is, you created a character on on one film that will always be remembered by everybody. I mean, you know I know everybody wants to continue in film and everything and do you know always be the big parts but but a lot of them don't attain that yet you did one film, and you... I will, was
0: very fortunate to yeah. be able to create a character in a film that became an American. Original mm-hmm. and an American classic. Yeah, and I, I, I thank, especially three people, Otto Preminger, mm-hmm. his little brother Ingo, yeah. <laughs> and Robert Altman for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a team. <laughs> at the
0: at the moment that that happened, when I was introduced in that film, uh, my life's dream, was. Uh, achieved.
1: Yeah, it must have been a thrill.
0: And, yeah, it was. Mm. It was a great thrill. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, was it tough doing the final episode of MASH, the, the TV show for you?
0: That I did? Yes. You, you mean did. my final episode? Your final episodes? Uh, tough. Uh, I was going through a divorce from a woman uh, that I loved very much mm-hmm. and the mother of my daughter. And uh, my life was uh, very tough yeah. at that time. Uh, doing the role wasn't tough. Uh, you know, doing that episode wasn't that tough. Mm-hmm. I had just done over seven years and I, you know, I was just doing the work. Uh, but my life at that point was, was, uh, was disintegrating. Mm-hmm. And I was probably at the lowest ebb of my life. Everything f- from there was nowhere to go but up.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And, uh, as you probably can hear in my voice, uh, I'm up, <laughs> <laughs> not on my lines. But <laughs> uh, up to a high point of life, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I live a life of joy, yeah, day to day. That's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, are you still painting?
0: No, I'll tell you why. Uh, I painted twenty-two paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been very successful. Yeah. Uh, they're still being sold. Uh, the prints from them are still being sold. Uh, when I retired in 2005, I took retirement very seriously. I took it as a as a new phase of my life. Yeah. And I decided I wasn't going to do any of the things that I did before retirement. And the reason for that is I wanted to be bored enough for new things to emerge. Because boredom, for me at least, is a great motivator.
1: hmm yeah.
0: Uh, I serve on the board of directors uh, at a wonderful uh, RV resort down in Florida. Oh. And uh, that takes up a lot of my time. We're, it's an owner-owned park, and we run it ourselves. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> and I, uh, I wrote my first book, which we are discussing at this very moment. Yeah. And those are two things since 19 – rather since 2005 – That have emerged uh, that I never realized that I had an aptitude for. Hmm. So sometimes, if you can afford to, you leave it alone. You leave your life alone. Yeah. Just like see, an actor's learn a phrase: leave yourself alone. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: That means don't push, don't act. Yeah. Uh, Don't don't mess with yourself when the camera rolls or when the stage opens. Just respond honestly, moment to moment. Uh, and out of what you know of your character Mm -hmm. and your environment uh... and you will come to life on stage rather than be an actor acting Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that's what i decided to do when i retired is to leave myself alone and in a sense let the lord uh... whisper his direction for me Mm -hmm. and i think the book is one of those uh... a responsible one of those whispers as was my painting
1: mm-hmm, yeah and i noticed it went in your in your book about your painting um and and in other things in your life uh, throughout the book you mentioned was that you always wondered what to do and then that saying of do what you know or uh, i can't remember the exact words you used
0: only well, it was write what you know and That's love. That's right.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Write write what you know and love. Yep. And and that carries on to just about everything. Buy what you know and love. If you're buying real estate, buy what you know and what you love. hmm And other people will know it and love it too, and it'll be it'll have value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And same thing in acting. You know, you, you you choose the characters that you know and love, or at least want to know, and uh, because they're interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's true in you know choosing a job. Mm-hmm, yeah. Why does a job have to be something that somebody else thinks is right for you? Yeah, there isn't an, an actor, a successful actor in the world, who ever functioned out of that philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're yeah. actors because they love acting. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the only reason. It's like going to college. Do you go to college because other people think you should, or do you go to college because you have a thirst for knowledge? It used to be that a lot of people went to college because they had a thirst for knowledge. I'm not so sure anymore. Right. (laughs) It's like, oh, no, I can make more money if I go to college. Yeah. Good Lord. (laughs) Make money at what? At doing something that you hate?
1: Right, yeah, yeah. It's true. you
0: know, because you've chosen something that you think the world wants you to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't my path anyway. I yeah. I couldn't imagine it. My father wanted me, at one point, just out of insecurity, he wanted me to quit acting and become a sales rep for.
1: Right. <laughs> a, yeah, you mentioned a
0: Sales that. representative for for the factory he worked at.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that in the book.
0: And I said, Dad, I'm an actor. He said, Oh, well, you just want to do what you want to do. I said, Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: What's wrong yeah. with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That and and. You know, I mean, it, am I to surmise that you have done what you don't want to do <laughs> in life? Yeah. Is that what he was saying to me?
1: Yeah. Jeez.
0: <laughs> God bless him. You know, my father was a wonderful man. hmm I don't write enough about him in the book. Yeah. And I, I, I fear that I left out some of his attributes um, because I had unfinished business with my dad. Mhm yeah uh when he passed away suddenly Mhm um but he was a man yeah and I mean that in the highest uh order uh the the highest sense of the word he was a man and that generation uh he was part of the greatest generation And although he didn't fight in World War II he was part of the industrial group that switched over to uh products that would help win the win the war
1: yeah
0: and he also suffered the great depression and came through it and survived it yeah. in his own way mm-hmm. and uh that generation has well i have the the utmost of admiration for my father and his uh and his generation even though there were uh, our relationship was strained uh, from time
1: to time. Yeah. Now there's so many other things we could go into here. I mean <laughs> you know, your fishing lures and and your chum magic and your fishing rods and uh but I know we you know, I don't wanna buy <laughs> the book. Right, that's the thing. We you know you we don't didn't wanna...
0: even buy the book. You got a free copy, <laughs> <Yeah>. right?
1: <laughs> well, that's one of the perks of uh, <laughs> of doing the interviews. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well then you're paying me for the interview. I want nineteen ninety five for this interview. but
1: um, there's like I say there's so many other things we could go into um, but people really should get the book um, and one place they can go uh, where a lot of people go get books um, I'm sure it's in stores and things but uh, Amazon.com is one of the most popular places I suppose that they could go get it Um, it is there I noticed uh, you know when I uh, was uh, checking things out
0: they have to type in Gary Berghoff that's spelled B-U-R-G-H-O-F-F
1: Yes. Yep. Okay. If yep. they type in
0: the wrong name, they won't get my book. Yes. <laughs> They'll get some other Gary Berg off.
1: Well, Is there another one out there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: not, not spelled
1: the way mine. Same, spelled differently. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, there's, there's.
0: And then, then don't, don't forget Bear Media yes. Yep. Which is the publisher? The
1: publishers. yeah.
0: Uh, interesting Bear Manor with radar with his teddy bear. Yes. Yeah. Easy to remember, Bear Manor Media.
1: Yeah. Now, it, it, that that throws me into the question of. Uh, oh, I didn't mean to throw you. That's <laughs> the bear that you used in the uh, the show is now in the Smithsonian. No. Oh, it's not.
0: No, wrong. Ah. See? Okay. What's another thing you got from the internet?
1: Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Oh, so I'm going
0: it's... to reveal something to you that I haven't revealed to the world.
1: All right, here's a first. <laughs> this is
0: the first. The bear is in a safe deposit box somewhere in Florida. Oh, really? And even I don't know where it is. Hmm. And the reason for that, and I'm not going to invade his privacy by mentioning his name, but a very, very nice pre-med student out in um, Minnesota Minnesota, Hmm. bought the bear from a national auction an uh, action uh, a national americana and show business auction uh and he then and he used his he used his student loan money he was a a doctor yeah. he's studying to be a doctor mm-hmm. and he used his student loan money to buy the beer because it had so much significance for him the mass show and yeah. his profession and, and so on, and he identified with the radar character. And, and when a friend of mine found out about it, my friend contacted him and said, would you be willing to resell it? He said, well, I really don't want to sell it. I, I want to either give it to the Smithsonian or whatever. He said, but who is interested? And my friend said, Gary Berghoff.
1: Wow. And
0: he said, I will sell it to Mr. Berghoff for what I paid for it.
1: Jeez!
0: I didn't. I had just come out of my divorce, and I didn't have the money. I didn't have all the money. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, you know, it's a high ticket item. Oh it's yes, the, I'm sure. It's the only one of. It's the only one in the world, <laughs> right? And uh, it is the radar teddy bear. So you use uh, the same
1: one through the whole time. What? You use the same teddy bear the whole time? Oh, they didn't, absolutely stunt teddy one,
0: <laughs> Right, it only has one eye and it was all, you know, ratty and Yeah. Uh I mean, yeah, they couldn't they couldn't duplicate it, trust me.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh at any rate, um so I I called this very wonderful friend of mine who's a businessman. and I said, "Look, I have x number of thousands of dollars that I would be able to kick in if you would Help me buy it. And he said, okay, I'll make up the difference. Hmm. So we bought it. And as I say, it's in an undisclosed place now. Ah. And he's taking a long, well-earned nap <laughs> in a safe deposit box in a climate-controlled
1: bank. Wow. See? In Florida. That's another one of those things. You know, you, they say on the Internet that it's sitting in the Smithsonian, but it's not true.
0: <laughs> not true. What's <laughs> sitting in the Smithsonian, most likely is a product that was produced by 20th Century Fox post-MASH called the Radar Teddy Bear, which uh, was short-lived. Uh, it was a, just a stuffed bear with a little T-shirt uh, with a red cross on it.
1: Okay. yeah. And
0: uh, But the Radar Teddy Bear, the original, the one that I used and slept with on the show for seven <laughs> years, or almost seven years, yeah, uh, is as i say in the safe deposit mm-hmm.
1: well that's that's now all the listeners of this show know the true story so that's what that's what we like to hear
0: <laughs> um, well but that that is the true story and uh you are the first to know that
1: great that's good <laughs> i always like to have a first every once in a while i didn't while. even mention that in the book no no i know that i didn't see, see for that. years it disappeared for 30 years
0: that bear had disappeared Wow. I would call cast members and say, "What what happened to the bear?" They didn't know.
1: Huh.
0: It turned out that it was not our, our it was our set designer, not the set decorators who were on the set frequently,
1: yeah,
0: or the prop people, but it belonged to the set designer who designed the original set, and we hardly knew him. Hmm. And he and he he came and grabbed that bear when after the show did its final episode, and nobody knew it. Uh And when he retired, he put it up for sale, along with other set pieces, which he had designed for the show.
1: Wow. Uh
0: But it took me 30 years trying to track that down. I felt like, uh, you know, uh, um, what's the name of that PBS show? Uh, History Detective. Yes. (laughs) You know, I was going to Los Angeles and looking all around the country
1: for it. Wow. People
0: doing research trying to find out who saw it last Yeah. Uh, Mike Farrell told me he thought that they may have put it in a time capsule which they buried on the 20th century Fox lot thinking that maybe 60 to 600 years in the future uh, somebody would dig it up and about four weeks later <laughs> they were excavating to put up condominiums oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they get a phone call because the phone number was in the time capsule from this workman who said, hey, I found this uh, this here box. What do you want me to do with it? (laughs) (laughs) And it was supposed to have all of these, you know, mash uh, things for future generations. And and Alan answered the phone. He said, uh, well, what do you want to do? He says, I don't know. It looks like a bunch of junk to me. (laughs) He said, well, then throw it away then. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) gee. Oh,
1: dear. And,
0: And that really scared me because I thought God if the bear was in there he's gone
1: oh yeah because
0: nobody would have wanted to take it home to their kid right <laughs> if it had gone through the Korean War huh or at least it looked like it had
1: see well <laughs> well Gary um, before we go I, I just I,
0: wrote another book here no, I know <laughs>
1: you got a lot of things you can add we'll get, we'll, the sequel is coming right <laughs>
0: Well, I hope so.
1: Yeah. I would love to write. Jeez, that would that would be interesting. you still got a lot of stories to tell, I think. I <laughs> uh, Yes, I do. I do. Now, one more thing here. Um, and Like I say, I appreciate you taking so much time and everything, and I don't want to hold you too long. But uh, That's
0: all right. I don't get out much anymore.
1: <laughs> um, you worked on a movie called The Man in the Santa Claus Suit with yeah. Fred Astaire. What was it like working with a man who was such a legend?
0: Well, he was more than a legend. He was a great gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Astaire epitomized to me, oh, the the gentleness of masculinity. He was a gentle, kind, wonderful man, mm-hmm. warm. Yeah. And you, you, when you were in a room with him, you just he felt like you were in the room with your own brother. Huh. He was that warm. Jeez. And uh, and. He, you just never felt challenged by him or uh, like you had to compete with him or anything like that. He was just the best. Yeah. And I remember I asked him once, uh, I said, why did you uh, stop dancing? Because he was, he was 80 years old, 79 or 80 years old when I worked with him. Mm-hmm. He said, are you kidding? He said, do you know how much work that was? Uh." And I said, well, I think I do. My mother was a dancer. She used to talk about her feet bleeding you know, right. from a performance. Yeah. He said, oh, yes, the, the blood, that doesn't, that, you, you expect that. He said, but for six minutes of film, I did six months of preparation. Wow. Six months of rehearsal for six minutes of film. Jeez. Uh-huh. I mean, this, this was a man who, you know, as Louis Armstrong said, when somebody asked him, "How do you, how do you, how did you make it as? Uh, how do I make it as a trumpet player?" And he said, "Practice, man, practice." Yeah. This generation understood that. Mm-hmm. They understood the work that went into making it look easy. Yeah. And if you were really talented, if you were a genius like Fred Astaire was, you you would make it not only look easy but impossible.
1: Oh yeah, he was <laughs> unbelievable.
0: Impossible. I mean. You, one would really believe that Fred Astaire could dance up on the ceiling.
1: Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was
0: that great. <laughs> Buddy Rich was the same way on the drums.
1: Really? Yeah. He must have been an idol of you for you.
0: Ph- phenomenal. I mean, you would watch him, and uh, you know, I studied drumming. Yeah. I-, I knew what went into it, and when you would watch Buddy, it, it was from a different planet. <clears throat> Nobody could do that. Yeah. That's genius. Jeez. And Judy Garland was a genius.
1: Yeah. Did you ever work with her?
0: Never. Uh, She came to see Charlie Brown one night, and I almost didn't make it through the performance.
1: Really? Was it tough (laughs) working in front of people like that?
0: Yes. I was working in a theater that only held 200 seats.
1: So you could see everybody.
0: (laughs) I could see everybody. And, and of course, you learn not to... uh, you know, there's the fourth wall you 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 learn that there's nobody there as an actor your yeah. concentration is such that you but when the curtain first goes up and i was directed to be sitting there in the middle of the stage just looking out across the audience and to just a little to my left is uh the, you know uh Otto Preminger and then there's Richard Rogers and then there's Judy Garland Wow. And, and all of these great stars would come to this little theater to see this phenomenally successful little play mm-hmm. little musical you know small ensemble that Walter Kerr had said is the best small ensemble in town and people from way up on Broadway ought to go and take a look at how they did this because they did it right yeah Jeez. and uh, and so they all came yeah it was just unbelievable Hmm. Jeez. and I was a 25 year old actor 24 25 year old actor who had struggled for 6 years for my big break and thought that it would be one of a hundred different um it it would be from one of a hundred different auditions that I knew I was perfect for and when I didn't get them, you know, a lot of people would have packed up and gone home.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I was too stupid.
1: <laughs> or determined. very ter- Or
0: determined or hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Or, you yeah. know, I mean, I'm an optimist.
1: Yeah, you got to have hope, that's for sure.
0: Exactly. And and Charlie Brown dropped right in my lap from out of nowhere after six years of, you know, doing everything I could.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So...
0: So, the Lord gave me what I needed when I needed it.
1: Yep, yep. That's that's the way it works. And uh, people, once again, I got to remind everybody that uh, they want to get this book because it's uh, extremely interesting. It's called Gary Berghoff To Mash and Back My Life in Poems and Songs. And
0: that nobody ever wanted to publish.
1: That's right. I didn't write that down, so that's why I left that one open for you. Yeah, finish it. <laughs> we work together.
0: Then. <laughs> that yeah, that that title goes through page 10, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gary, this It's is... been a
0: pleasure. Thank you very much for the interview. I appreciate your helping me uh, let people know that the book is out there. Yes. Thank you for your kind
1: words. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate you taking time. I mean, you know, this has been a fascinating talk here. It's a, just the things you've been talking about, I'm sure our audience is going to love it and Hope they'll run out and get the book and uh, enjoy it as much as I did. I hope so. All right. Well, thank you, Gary.
0: It's been a delight. Thank you, and God bless you.
1: Well, we want to thank Gary so much for taking the time to talk to us. He's a really nice guy. Uh, We actually talked uh, for another, I think it was another half hour. We talked about different things, and uh, he's just so easy to talk to and such a great guy. I want to thank him a lot for doing the uh, interview with us. hope you all enjoyed it because uh, you got your uh, exclusive there that uh, he's told nobody, and we are the first to know it. And now I'm sure we've cleaned up a lot of those things on the Internet that are false about Gary. And, uh, you know, there's just just so much out there. But this time you heard it. You heard him say and correct everything so you know what the facts are. And you also found out something that uh, nobody ever knew. And that, I'm sure, will be all over the Internet at some point here because people will be listening to this and passing it on. So thank you, Gary, for doing that. And uh we want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to remind you that uh you can pick up Gary's book, which is called, once again, Gary Berghoff, To Mash and Back, My Life and Poems and Songs That Nobody Ever Wanted to Publish. It's a great book. It talks about Gary's life, and there's just so much uh, in there about it. He's had such a a, a, a ups and downs in his life and everything. And you can pick it up at Amazon.com also. It's there. And Gary wanted me to let you know that uh, you should also check out a great companion book to his book called TV's Mash, The Ultimate Guidebook. It's coming out soon from Bear Manor Media and uh, he he says that book is loaded loaded with facts just about mash it's a mash book of course and uh they interviewed people who were uh not just the stars but the extras and and all the different people who were involved with it so uh, it it, he says it's got so much information about mash that uh, he was even surprised and so was uh, um you know uh, everybody who's involved with mash has seen that and and just amazed at what is in there so you might want to check that one out too and that's going to be available coming soon from bear manor media And uh, we will keep you informed on that because we'll probably check that one out, too. It's probably going to be a good book. And let's see. Remember to join us once again next week for more info on what's coming your way on DVD and movies. And, of course, another great celebrity interview. And we are continually trying to get you more and more people, and we hope that you'll send us suggestions. We hope that you'll keep listening, and you—I really hope you keep sending you these emails because we really like to hear from people. Uh, let us know what you think, what you—you uh, know—would like to have us do, uh, who would you like to have us have, um, all those different things, because that's what makes it, you know, good for you and good for us. So we all know what uh, you'd like to have and hear and we'll do our best to uh, help you out on that and bring you some guests who that uh, you you know you'll be interested in hearing and and I'll tell you right now I have got some people lined up that uh, are just a great bunch of celebrities and uh, they they have some great stories to tell and we've uh, come down with uh, uh, next week we're going to start uh, having some people who uh i think will make uh, some interesting you know they're always interesting i shouldn't say that but you know the, just some different people who uh you don't normally hear everywhere else on the internet and uh these people are actually going to be here telling their stories and much like gary where they turn around and you know go and and tell you the truth as opposed to telling you about uh you know what is on the internet and and it isn't right and they want to make sure that things are coming your way the correct way because uh, they want you to know so i guess that's about it for now uh, i'm going on here and <laughs> it's uh about time to head out so um thanks for listening and like i say keep those emails coming and until next time this is brian saying take care <laughs>